Hello and welcome to Blockchain Gaming World episode 45 um, with me, John Jordan. And joining me this week is James from Blockchain Gaming Biz. How's it going, James? Yeah, fantastic. How about you? Yeah, yeah. Not. I wouldn't go so far as to be fantastic. <laughs> it's Friday, but yeah, pretty good. Um, so talking about the, the world of blockchain games as ever, and this time we're kind of not going into particularly... Um, the news cycle, um, but we're going to talk about a uh, company kind of, we haven't mentioned before, um, which is Engine. We're going to go into a bit more depth about what Engine's doing because just over the months, um, they've been kind of putting together what's quite an interesting, I don't know what you call it, platform ecosystem. Um, and I think it's kind of worth us delving into that a little bit. So, uh, James, you want to give us a quick um, overview of, of what Engine is and what they are up to? Yeah, absolutely. So, Engine is a Pretty interesting ecosystem. So one of the first things that we've noticed about Engine was its ERC-1155 token protocol. And that one came out last year. We'd previously discussed about that one and the kind of item interoperability that it allows along with the games that it partners up with. So at this moment in time, I think it's made up of, I think, over 20 different gaming titles. And with those ones, they work together in order to allow for items to transcend one game to another. And along with that one, each of its items, its NFTs, are backed by a certain amount of engine coin. That is one of the things that's supposed to give them a greater degree, greater degree of stability over time, as well as allowing them to be melted down for users to simply just monetize directly or to sell interoperably. But along with that one too, it offers something kind of interesting in way of gaming retention so not only allowing for a high level of replayability through interoperable assets but also through massive like multiple games spanning like quests which allow you to unlock or discover rewards that are unlocked which reward you with a certain amount of engine and this comes under the broader category of what it refers to as its multiverse. Yeah, so I think that's a, that's the a thing that we've kind of mentioned a, kind of a lot um, about this idea of a multiverse. And uh, I guess when it first when I first heard about it, it, it kind of seemed a bit old fashioned. Like the multiverse seemed like something people might talk about in the in the nineteen nineties with kind of um, you know um, Neil Stevenson and, and the Snow Crash and that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, but uh, <laughs> the uh, definition aside, I guess what what is interesting is is in the blockchain world, we've spoken, or generally people talk a lot about interoperability. So basically a, a an NFT, a, a digital item that's used in one game can then go and be used in another game. Now, that's technically fairly easy to do, but I think um, kind of commercially and operationally, much more, much harder to do in, in a sense of it making sense. So I guess we have lots of games where you can use a CryptoKitty in another game, but but it tends to be more for aesthetic reasons rather than gameplay reasons. Um, and I think one of the interesting things with Engine is they've come with a bit more of a kind of, I, I don't know what the quite term is, um, I don't know if it's like a hard approach or, or a more um, uh, kind of defined approach where it seems to be, um, I mean, they just look at their website now, they, they kind of call, they call Engine, um, oh, where is it? Uh, let me just scroll down, here we go. Um, an all-in-one blockchain game development platform. So they're quite uh, kind of specific about they're doing kind of everything. And I think a little bit comes from their background because they are a company they've been around for a while um, uh, and kind of mainly setting up Minecraft servers and 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 um, that kind of kind of back-end stuff for kind of uh, online game communities. So they know quite a lot about kind of IT and tech. Um, so they're good at that sort of thing. And I think this is just, they continued that kind of approach and they kind of said, well, we're making a platform and, and if you want to sign up, um, for our platform, then you basically have to 
use all our all our bits and bobs. We kind of make the decisions for you. So it's interesting you mentioned the this ERC eleven fifty five, which we'll go into in a bit more detail. I think um, that's the kind of token standard, and and they have their coin um, engine coin and all the assets in all the engine games are backed with this engine coin. Um, and then they have this idea of interoperability, which isn't optional as far as I can see. Um, it is, you know, if, if you are going to be part of our platform, then your game must support these items. I'm going to go into, into the item, um, thing in a bit more detail. So I don't know how, how do you, I mean, the blockchain world is, is very, um, decentralized by its nature. It's very, uh, tends to be a little bit, um, anachronistic a little bit uh, uh into not necessarily um into anarchy but but not particularly into rules do you think the engine's approach which is quite clearly you know you if you into our platform you obey our rules do you think that appeals to developers or i mean i can certainly see how it would be a little bit anachronistic and a little bit seemingly contradictory when it comes to what blockchain is supposed to be which is to create this this massive framework of decentralized and yet like peer-to-peer style nodes. So when it comes to Engine, I can certainly see why people would have qualms about it. But for game developers, it's it's all about fostering a couple of additional things. So one of them being mass adoption, replayability, and effective monetization process. And I think with something like Engine, while it is in its early stages with regards to bringing out blockchain game titles that prove effective on this system, there are certainly a couple of unique selling points that Engine has over other platforms. One of them being the multiverse integration, as we said before, having a strong enough economy behind it and allowing for players to explore and traverse multiple games at a single time. There are definitely a lot of incentives there for game developers to get behind it. But from a philosophical track about the fact that you have to really abide by the rules of engine, I can see that getting on some people's nerves. I mean, I guess the, the, the contrary side is that uh, it's fine having no rules, but then nothing gets done, which is kind of the, the kind of opposite thing, where, whereas you know, not much interoperability has happened, apart from stuff with CryptoKitties, just because it's really hard to do. So um, I guess, you know, the, the engine's point of view would be, well, yeah, um, we'll have some rules, otherwise no one's going to do anything and nothing's going to happen. Um, so uh, from that point of view, it, you know, it, it is the option. And, I think you know, we'll look at some of the games that are being developed using it. And it does they do seem to have a lot of support from game developers um, who probably wouldn't otherwise have the technical knowledge to get involved in this business. It seems like a lot of people who are involved in engine are not particularly uh heavy duty blockchain enthusiasts they're kind of more like indie game developers who kind of like oh this could be interesting so from that point of view engine seems to be really interesting or really helpful to them that it's doing all the complicated blockchain stuff providing all the sdks and providing the unity integration so you just basically make your game plug in effectively this this blockchain uh, component that, that, that handles um items and uh, economy uh, and, and off you go so you know there's no like in it all the kind of you know in, in any kind of commercial uh uh kind of business cases no, i don't think there's any right or wrong um there's right ways that some companies uh right approaches some companies should take um that might not be the same for other companies so i guess i guess we'll leave that there and we should say the one thing engine is is inconvertibly very good at is is the technical details of blockchain i mean clearly they've been <laughs> there's been some arguments about who exactly invented the erc721 but obviously uh Vitek from Engine was 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 one of the uh, people behind that, and certainly ERC eleven fifty five is is totally their thing. 
Um, so, so from that point of view, Engine has provided a good framework. Shall we go and have a look at some games, shall we? Right, so see if I can find <laughs> on their website some games. Um, should point out, the one thing with Engine is none of these games are live yet. Is that right? Some of them are kind of in testing, but but none of them are... Yeah, they're in early alpha and I think some in beta stages, but other than that, it's mostly pre-sale and in development. I mean, we I think some of the more active ones on the social media standpoint and even from in-game footage, ironically enough, tends to be Age of Rust. And that one's got a, a long-as-hell roadmap, I think. It's not until next year that it's officially going to be out. Yeah, yeah. We'll come to that in a minute. So, um, so we've got Nine Lives Arena, um, which is like a PvP 3D slasher game, isn't it? Uh, yeah, they've got a. They made use of a pretty interesting like system of smart contracts. So, the way it would work for duelists in the arena is that you would hook up any of your kind of characters with any form of digital assets. If you took part in the Kickstarter, you get pretty exclusive NFTs, including a skull belt. And the idea is with nine lives, if you lose those nine lives, your hero dies. Anything that it's wearing gets solidified into a trophy, which you can trade if you want to. So it's interesting in that regard, but as for progress reports, I haven't really seen that many from them. Mm. Yeah, I think that, I mean, like all these... Uh, kind of games tend to be a fairly small team, so they may have bitten off a little bit more than they can chew um, in terms of their um, scheduling. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, interesting um, concept behind it. And again, they, they they're going for um, for consoles, which again seems to me <laughs> a little bit um, overly uh, difficult, maybe. But there we go. There's those guys, Crypto Fights. I don't know anything about them. They are again an arena-based one v one turn-based fighting game. Um, Age of Rust, the one you mentioned. Now, Age of Rust is interesting. I do know a bit about that. So Age of Rust has been knocking around for a long time. It's been in development, I guess, for two years now. It's mainly just one guy, so that's why it's taken so long. Um, but it's a pretty high-end 3D um, kind of exploration shooter, um, which you know has kind of come on to, to engine in the fairly recent months. Um, it's really interesting. Um, I think you know it's, it's one that gamers would just go, oh, this looks interesting. Um, yeah, those are those are two pretty strange ones. I mean, Age of Rust for its long development time. If we if we zip back to Crypto Fights for a little bit, they they recently made the decision that they're not only using Engine, but they're using Bitcoin SV. Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the justification that they gave for it was the fact that with its arena mode, it involves a lot of transactions over time and. The fact that it goes from 1v1, I think, up to a maximum of 4v4. So as a result, it means it crunches a lot of transactions over time. Its application of SV is supposed to allow for that to be more streamlined. Didn't they get funding by um, one of those guys, though? They did, yeah. And that's the reason. <laughs> that's the reason they've chosen that blockchain. They got funded by, what's his name? Um, I, I don't know, I don't know where, where Bitcoin SV stands these days with all the nonsense going on in that world. I'm not going to delve into that one. Um, we've got Cats cats in Mechs, <laughs> a top-down shoot-em-up featuring Cats in Mechs. Um, yeah. like, honestly, I, I expected them to go from a completely different direction in terms of art style for that one, but it's about humanoid Cats in Mechs. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's what it is. It is. Um, Forest Knight, which is an interesting looking one, but again, pretty small dev team, I think. Yeah, it's, it's one of the only titles that is on mobile, I think, and it, it started off with a pretty much a one-man army. Mm-hmm. And there's another other ones that you know about this. So, Ultiverse is, is this sounds this sounds like totally bonkers, is, is going to integrate the blockchain assets into 17 interconnecting worlds. 
So it's a gaming and world building platforms. So that's like a that sounds again like all these things are just a bit, a bit ambitious to me. Maybe maybe that's why I'm not a game developer. I haven't got the ambition. There is something quite um, quite daunting that they're trying to do. So I'd, I'd previously spoken to Scott Kinney, who's um, I think the CEO of Ultraverse, and he was talking about the the application of LEGS, which is an acronym, but I, I can't remember for the life of me what it stands for. But either way, what it basically infers is that it's it's a hosting system to allow users to um, allow for mini maps for raiding, for adventures or quest giving. Effectively, allows the user to monetize their the sort of LEGS that they have, while also allowing for players to get other new organic like mechanics that they can use within the Ultraverse universe. So there we go. So some of the games they they are um, a lot of games. I mean, I think that's the one interesting thing with uh, with engine is they have done a lot of really good work with uh their kind of developer relations team and they go to all the conferences and have done for a number of years and they um you know they really talk to developers and and and, and kind of get them interested um you know quite quite active in in that sort of stuff so um from that point of view uh, technically they're very good and they've got a lot of games in there um i guess and they've just announced i mean there's a bit of news this week so they just announced this new thing called engine spark which is kind of a um another initiative to get more developers on board um so yeah so i'm just reading this from the medium so they say over 550 developers have downloaded the engine um blockchain sdk for unity which is quite you know a pretty decent number i mean obviously majority of those will just be downloaded to see what it's like um and they say 5,000 are playing on the covan testnet on the engine platform so that that's the ethereum testnet so that's i mean that's 5,000 presuming that's 5,000 individual developers, but that's, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, and they've got this engine spark thing, which is, uh, again, for um, new game developers who, who want to um, kind of join up and get access to the new um, engine mainnet. So they're obviously they kind of ICO'd on Ethereum and the uh, engine coin is an ERC20 token at the moment, but at some point they're going to have their own uh, custom blockchain. Um, and they also... You know, it's interesting. Engine are not just providing the tech kind of uh, background, the, the tech support, uh, the tech infrastructure. They're also getting involved in things like kind of publishing, not publishing, um, kind of kind of marketing. That's the best way to do, it, isn't it? So um, they are providing a lot um, for developers who kind of sign up with them. Um, there's one you were writing about this week, Six Dragons, which is kind of a new one, isn't it? Um, yeah, that's right. So. They are, they are, along with Forgotten Artifacts, Space Misfits, and Spirit Clash, they're one of the four that joined the Spark Initiative very recently. And along with that one too, they've kicked off their pre-sale. I think earlier this week, they managed to sell about 65% of their inventory, so equating to about 90 grand worth of assets. Yeah, it's interesting. We we had a discussion about whether whether ninety grand was a lot of money or not. <laughs> it's kind of you know it's it's interesting because it's, it's it's obviously more than ten grand, but less than a million <laughs> million quid. Um, so, but you know, I guess for for a fairly small developer, they're getting, and it's not so much about the money. I suppose it's about the the fact that there's people out there who are happy to spend um, ninety thousand dollars buying digital items in a game that's not out yet. I mean, I guess that's some measure of validation, which I guess is probably more valuable than the money although the money obviously um you can you can only do so much with validation if you have to pay people you probably need money <laughs> it's one of the reasons why i've had such a well i've had 
like discussions with people on our Telegram feed regarding what makes for an effective system of fundraising. And I've always been under the impression that a company or a games project cannot rely on just the pre-sale alone. It has to be part of a framework of different funding avenues because it can it can so easily backfire on projects if they don't have an engaged user base. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I think it, generally at the moment is you can't you just can't raise enough money through pre-sales or or, or crowdsourcing or anything. Or, crowdfunding or anything like that to, to do a decent project um you know any okay you probably you can make a game for under a million dollars but but any half decent game is gonna require you know getting on for that that sum of money um so um yeah uh and i think probably i don't know they don't really mention it very much i don't know how much engine do in terms of helping out for funding they don't mention it overtly um and it's not like they raised a ton of money um when in they, when they did their their own ICO in in the end of 2017, um, so I think that probably they, it's more to do with the kind of consulting they can help out with um, rather than funding people. But um, right, so the um, the other thing we think we're going to talk about is the this idea of kind of interoperability and um, and engine. Let's see what they could actually call them. I'm looking at this uh, this PDF. Um, and they call it okay. They call it a multiverse asset. So basically, this is one of these engine-backed assets that can be used across multiple games. So, um, so it's interesting. They say in this document, there's a few examples. So it could be items, a sword, characters that can be used in multiple games, a pet that follows the player in the game, vehicles, a car that could be used in multiple games, or a, yeah, like a, a NPC psychic. Um, so let's go through some of the some of the assets they do have. So there's the Arch Spire. Um, which is uh, sometimes known as Starborn Icicles. So these are um, obviously some sort of fantasy um, type type thing. Uh, there's the Soul Shift Armor. Um, there's the Storm Wall. So the Storm Wall was the one they were really pushing, which is a storm, uh, storm which is a shield. Um, how do you, what do you think about that? What do you think about the integrations they were putting this kind of shield into all different games? Yeah, we saw a couple of um, interoperable examples there. That's that's kind of where uh, Age of Rust was really taking the head on that one. So Stormwall showed up as this massive, like, more than body plus wide shield. They then showed it off in Nine Lives Arena straight away, where it takes on almost like a celestial shield with a disembodied thing in the middle of it. It's it's cool to see that in action, and they've got an interesting mechanic for ensuring balance over the games for any of those items. And I think that's, that's one of the, um, you know, since you kind of have these rules in place, that then you do obviously have this issue that all the kind of game design in all the games has to um, deal with the fact that there's these, what have to be kind of fairly high value items uh, that, that you know, are going to work in all these games and have to be integrated into all these games. Um, and if you make, I guess, at any point, there's changes to the item um, on a on a high level, then that can ripple through into into problems with all these games. I think the other thing that strikes me is all these things, looking through another one now, there's the Forge Hammer, um, there's the uh, Epochrome Sword. Um, now, these are all um, clearly items that work very well in fantasy-style games, which is the, actually the majority of what engine stuff is at the moment. A lot of engine games are kind of fantasy-style RPG or, or um, if they're not kind of overtly RPG, they're kind of combat combat based. So if you have a combat based kind of multiverse, then having things like swords 
and there's also a gun like some sort of razor, laser gun um having hammers having shields having um armor and having these where these crystal things are that all kind of makes sense because all those games have those kind of elements but if you were to go, if you're going to do battle races, I mean, battle races is a game that's in development and, and is not part of the engine universe. But if you're going to battle races, which does actually have combat elements in, so it's not impossible that they could have armor and a, and a shield and some sort of gun. Um, but it does start to get a little bit more tricky. Um, and I do just kind of wonder if uh, the 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 rule, the rule system will just, by definition, will ha- will have to limit the the sort of games that they that can be adopted. I'm sure there's clever designers who can think ways around doing this sort of stuff. So let, let's try and think, what could we, we could have, could we have a, a cooking game where you had a sword and a shield? Um, Particularly kind of buff for a like saucepan and frying pan. Yeah. So, so you're on that kind of level, aren't you? Where, where, where you can think of ways around it, but, but, um, it doesn't a shield doesn't really make much sense in a in a cooking game which may be to do with kind of speed of i suppose you could have it that like you can use a shield and it can shield you from incoming customers so you have more time you could do it as like a time slowdown or something like that um but we are starting to we are starting to have to get quite imaginative um about um that kind of stuff so i think that that's just um kind of one issue the, the, the other interesting one is they've got this character called mike which is um so I'm going to try. I'm going to try and pronounce his full name. So it is uh, Ant Grim Spank Blaze the Third, Earl of Neo Katagat, the Hungover Lord, Stealer of Titan Wine, commonly known as Mike. Okay, so there's Mike. He's very much a fantasy kind of robotic kind of golem type character. Um, you know, as a character, it's kind of interesting. You know, he's the kind of person you'd like to have in your game. Um, but again, he would work very well in a fantasy environment. I'm not quite sure how well he'd work in Age of Rust, at least as uh, you know um, pictured here, because he's like a fantasy character, and that's like a sci-fi game. In in our in our nominal um, cooking game, <laughs> um, I don't know quite how he fits in. Obviously, you could have have him. He could be some sort of customer who gives you some sort of advantage or stuff. So it's not not impossible. But I think the more the more the more complex you make the and the more complex and specific you make these items, obviously the kind of harder it is to for developers to to integrate that. And I think in a, in a very small way we saw this in um in uh, when was it? It was a little bit a year ago now where where um, Auto had this um, game development competition where they had I think can you remember? I think it's just five items, and it was people had to actually come up with games that integrated these items. And there were some interesting. There were quite a lot of interesting. Um, game design, they were just basically design doc kind of stage. And you did see these items, even though they were things like swords and shields, being being you know modified or, or um, added into very different sorts of games. So I think people can do it, but I think at some point it kind of probably becomes a disadvantage more than that than an advantage. If you see what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree. Actually, um, I don't think we need to be too hypothetical about it because. When it comes to Engines Multiverse, you actually do have um, a couple of games on there that are within the multiverse, but they they don't really fit into the whole action adventure combat mechanics. I mean, Diverse is one of them. Tell me, tell me about that one. I don't, I don't know that. So with that one, that's an augmented reality game. So it has a, a couple of. It's it's basically like for 
augmented reality creatures. And I'm not really too sure of the full mechanics of that one, but it also has a way for like giving users the ability to make things out of blueprints and schematics. So it would seem a little bit weird to me that if you're trying to build something elaborate and complex and diverse, that a sword or a gigantic wine-stealing titan would help you in any way there. If anything, I feel like they would hinder your blueprints. Yeah, so I'm just looking at some other games. Space Misfits, I've not heard of, but obviously Space Misfits sounds like it's going to be some sort of space sci-fi game, doesn't it? Um, so I guess this is kind of a, you know... A, Oh, that's that's not what I thought it was going to be. That's very um, brightly coloured. It's not my grandma's space game. It says um, intense PvP battles. As it is like a okay. So this, goodness me, this is ambitious as well. All this ambition. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I I guess it's interesting. I, I just kind of think um, uh, you know, obviously when the games start to come out, we'll see. At the end of the day, if the games are, what matters most is if the games are good or not. Because if the games aren't good. Um, then they won't have any users, so so any of this background stuff doesn't really matter. Um, um, but I wonder what I kind of I guess my gut feeling at the moment is the engine multiverse will will work. It will attract uh, players, but it will very quickly kind of condense down to a certain type of game that will fit into that multiverse. So you won't have a crypto kitties, you won't have a cheese wizards, you know, you won't have probably a a battle racers. Um, you, you know, you won't have a major league baseball champions you know you won't you won't you'll have a very specific sort of fairly competitive gameplay uh, combat driven sort of gameplay kind of fantasy-ish maybe a bit, a bit of sci-fi space stuff a bit a bit kind of you know male focus kind of a typical what we might call a t- typical kind of gaming tropes that appeal to you know teenage 20 male um kind of kind of core gameplay kind of attributes and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that um i think at the moment um you know Having that as a as a multiverse and having items that move between those games, yeah, you know, it does make sense. I guess the problem then is you've got quite a tight sort of uh, kind of cultural fit and um, kind of game design fit. So you, you'll probably tend to have um, excuse me, that's my long way off. So you, so you will tend to have kind of quite a lot of competing games. So you'll kind of you can already see that there's quite a lot of kind of sword based games and you kind of you know how many sword based games do people want to play? I don't know. That, that, so that'll be I guess interesting to see. So maybe the maybe it will work. The multiverse will work, but actually there may only be five games that kind of really kind of work kind of work in a in a in a way in terms of kind of commercially in terms of having a lot of users and um, uh, kind of generating a lot of NFT traffic. I guess the other interesting thing, which is going a bit more widely, is um, what's interesting is in blockchain taking taking as a kind of broader sense is you have this idea certainly with Ethereum at the moment and NFTs is you, each game has its own marketplace, pretty much, where most of the activity happens. Um, but then you also have these 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 second party or third party marketplaces like OpenSea. Um, and what if you look at the numbers, it's quite interesting. I didn't really realize I was looking at the numbers this week um, in a bit more detail. And um, so OpenSea is pretty small in terms of people using it. Um, like about 100, 100, between 100 and 200 people use it on a daily basis. But it has quite a big volume of, of Ether going through. So depending on the day, you know, um, probably about fifty percent of the volume of DApps gaming DApps on Ethereum is, is going through uh, OpenSea, um, and I do wonder with something like an engine multiverse that everything's kind of locked into it. Um, 
I wonder if you if you kind of lose that that kind of wider interoperability in terms of how blockchain can can spread into different services and stuff. I, I don't think with Engine they can necessarily stop people you know, buying and selling on on OpenSea because OpenSea. I suppose they can do because they're going to be on their own. They're not going to be on Ethereum anymore. They're going to be on their own blockchain. So I guess that's exactly what they'll do. Um, but I do think potentially you, the more control you try, you try and have, or too much control is a bad thing. I think in the blockchain world, people like to have the flexibility. And at some point, I think you can do it already. You know, people might want to sell two crypto kitties and an Axie for a high-end God's Unchained card. You know, have those. I don't know what what's the phrase. They use for, I can't remember what the phrase the phrase they use for it, but um, yeah, there's different ways of, of doing these kind of um, swaps where it's not just I'm not just swapping ether for Bitcoin or CryptoKitty for CryptoKitty. I'm swapping these kind of different items from different games, potentially in the in the long run, I guess, with stuff like Cosmos and Polkadot, things on different chains, swapping them in in a, in a, you know, because that's when you have massive liquidity in the market, and that's when things really start to take off. So probably this is me being a bit too too looking too, too far down the line, but I do wonder whether engine how it will deal with that. Do you have any view? <laughs> I suppose I've painted you into a corner there, James. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you kind of said it, like said it best when it comes to having that fine balance about just how centralized engine can be over this sort of system. And it's kind of like that George Washington reference to democracy is that it's like fire in that you can't let it burn too far out of control. And the same is for centralization. You have to have it be like effective enough to just have some firm but fair rules there to allow for the ecosystem to flow on effectively and allow for things like the marketplace to work well and for it to be enough to incentivize people to use it. But if they become too restrictive, then people are just going to pull away because other more free systems will crop up will crop up and give them a viable alternative. I think for this ecosystem, it's something that we need to see like more progress in. I mean, one of the ways in which they are making a little bit of a breakthrough is through their mobile wallet. And it's been fun using that one, but I think we need to see more games and more assets on there to really make a longer judgment. Mm. Now, I have to say, yeah, I mean, on the technical side, I think you know, there's, there's no one better in the blockchain kind of uh, certainly gaming world, but in, in general, blockchain stuff than Engine. I mean, their wallet is, um, yeah, obviously there's all the all the kind of fuss this this early this year that it was one of the wallets that was being integrated into the Samsung S10 range, um, and yeah, I've been I've been using it uh, as well. It's you know, in some to some degree, it's not unlike other wallets. Um, you know, in some in terms of the way you can um, uh, kind of trade uh, uh, ERC twenty tokens, then it's, it's you know it's, it's integrated you know chain uh, Changely and Kyber Network and um, I can't remember Bancor as well. Um, so they're basically kind of just integrating third party uh, kind of decks, so you can do that kind of stuff. But it's you know it is pretty easy to use, um, and I think it is kind of has slightly more security um measures than some other wallets i've used so i think they're really good from that point of view um and i think you know they've built their own um what do you call it a doodle built their own explorer uh to explore to, you know the kind of block explorer stuff which is really good you know that, and they're doing a lot of deals i think but you know from, from to, to for people to use other people to use their tech not necessarily games companies so i think they're really good from the tech's point of view um i guess I guess for me, it's just uh, I want to be really excited by one of the games that's going to be on the platform. Um, which I guess to finish off, which which of the games that have you seen? Well, which of the games do we think are going to be the what the one that's going to be their kind of like you know their their breakthrough, the one that's gonna gonna get the, the their multiverse yeah you know, to scale? What do you think? 
Which one are you most interested in? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I'd honestly say that in terms of like visuals, mechanics, the application of interoperable multiverse items, I mean, Age of Rust has shown us more. But like I said, the biggest disadvantage about that one is that's a that's a long hinge that we're waiting on. So if, if we're expecting that one to really like set the world on fire for blockchain gamers looking for a real use case, we're going to be waiting a long time. Yeah, I mean, I think Age, Age of Rust and Forest Knight are both really interesting uh, kind of games conceptually and like the art style, but they're both, I think they're, their challenges are more to do with having having big enough dev teams behind them to actually kind of fulfill that, that vision. Um, again, Nine, Nine Lives Arena, I really like the, the concept behind it. I'm not graphically, I don't think it's particularly up to much. Again, they're a pretty small team as far as, far as I can, can know. Um, I don't know if they've done any console game stuff before, so there, there is a um, ambition thing there. I think for me, the, me the interesting one. Um, I don't know if you know any more about it. It seems to have gone quite recently. Is, is War of Crypto? So War of Crypto seems like seems like the the kind of most um, you know, comprehensive game in terms of a decent vision, really good artwork, a team that can, seems to have some experience and a chance of fulfilling that. But um, I'm not quite sure what's going on with it at the moment. So. I completely agree with you there. I mean, from from the visuals and the sort of attention to detail that they've had for their NFTs, I, I really do appreciate it. And yeah, as for progress, I need to really dive into what they've been up to. And I think they were one of the first, actually, to offer some scope of interoperability in a real use case. So they had their, oh, I forget the name of the NFT, but it's basically this golem-looking thing. Yes, Mike, isn't it? allowed for interoperability between both that game and minecraft minecraft oh okay i don't know about that. they allowed for it to be used for i think it was a difference between the premium edition that they had which is a different color scheme and it's later ones where it would allow you to use it on dedicated engine minecraft servers okay not sure about that mm-hmm. yeah well i think you know in all these things the, the, the proof the proof of the uh concept is in the release of the game and be able to play these kind of things. Um, and I guess, you know, that doesn't really matter what our opinions are. <laughs> yes, we're, we're supposed experts, but um, when the games, when the games come out, that's going to be, that's going to be the deal. And I suppose um, probably with the ending, what's going to happen is going to be quite a lot of games are going to come out in quite a short period of, of time, I would imagine. Um, yeah. And I guess, yeah. So, so crypto wars um, was originally down for a Q2 release. I think obviously that they can't go live until the engine mainnet goes live. So until the until that happens, then I think that's probably probably what is um, pushing everything back. So um, so hopefully, I guess the engine mainnet will go live, and then quite quickly after that, we will start to see the first games um, going live, and then maybe uh, yes, maybe uh, all will become kind of more apparent in in terms of how this model works. But anyway, um, I don't think yeah we haven't come to any conclusions. Uh, as I say, I'm not kind of completely negative or positive. We're just kind of like uh, kind of discussing. Um, with everything, the strengths and weaknesses, we will see um, what uh, transpires. Thank you very much, James. Been a bit of a meandering uh, podcast this week, but uh, thanks for uh, sticking with it. <laughs> no worries. It's the digressions that tend to be the most interesting. And uh, yes, listeners, if you have uh, any, any uh, you want to comment on our digressions, uh, <laughs> feel free. You can find me uh, on Twitter at uh, GamingGMG. Um, obviously, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already to the podcast where we uh, talk every week about blockchain games, um, sometimes about the news, sometimes about kind of uh, concepts like this, sometimes 
going to be going having some more interviews with people over the coming uh, weeks about specific projects. So um, if you're into blockchain games, please do subscribe. But uh, thanks for listening to this and um, hope you come back next week.